Most stories of success usually focus on a person's highlight reel. In this podcast, those people will share what goes on beyond the curtain. You'll hear about their wins and losses and how those experiences created their grit and determination. There's no such thing as luck. Welcome to Beyond Grit with Robert Young. Hey everybody, today I'm sitting down with Olin Lester. So Olin uh, is a retired U.S. Army Ranger. He served with the 1st Ranger Battalion. He's currently a police officer with the city of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, His role right now is that of uh, a canine officer. And he is a published author. So I know you'll enjoy his stories and sit back and enjoy. Hey Mark, how you doing today? I'm good. Good, good. Um, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, we're going to get through a little bit of uh, your story, if uh, the dog allows us to. That dog loves me. I oh, know, he's such a good dog. So tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of how you got to North Carolina, where you grew up. You know, we'll start with the nice uh, basic stuff. That's, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll try to keep it basic. It's a long story. I try not to bore everybody. But So I grew up in uh, the western part of Virginia, okay. southwest part, um, just outside of Blacksburg in a place called Roanoke, Virginia. Ah. Uh, I left there to go to the military um, from 96 to 2000. I was in the military. It's with the 1st Ranger Battalion down in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. So down there we had our own airhead. Uh, it's called Hunter Army Airfield. So we basically lived at the beach. Mm-hmm. So I uh, traveled all over the world, went to a bunch of third world countries that I care not, care not to go back to. Yeah. Uh, and then when I was about a year, year from getting out, I started thinking, well, I was seriously thinking about reenlisting and different opportunities to, that, uh, the military afforded me. Mm-hmm. Um, how re- many years were you in there total? Uh, four, 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 four okay. and a half. Yeah. So with about a year to go again, just looking for options, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping all my doors open. I was talking about reenlisting, talking to the reenlisting recruiters, staying in battalion, um, Looked at uh, RD, which is Ranger Reconnaissance Attachment. Looked mm-hmm. at that. Um, thought about putting a flight packet in to be a warrant officer. And at the same time, I was looking at uh, PD's police departments. Okay. And back then, it was, you know, the, the age of the internet where it's kind of starting to bustle and people were actually, or departments and businesses were actually just starting websites. Mm. Right. So, a lot of the police departments I was looking at didn't have websites. Yeah. Uh, but I, at, at the time, I didn't have any criteria. It's like pff, nationwide. I didn't care where I went. Mm-hmm. So I made my top 10 list of places I looked at. Virginia State Police was one of them because, you know, I was back home in Virginia. Looked at those, looked up to those guys. And uh, anyways, made my top 10 list. Started applying to places. And uh, at the time, I was, uh, I was dating a girl named Anna. And we were going to get married. And so that weighed fact, that was a heavy factor into whether I was reenlisting or getting out, but, um, started, started applying with the different PDs, um, really got tired of going through the process cause it's a yeah, long, it's a long it's, process. It's arduous. It's a lot, it's very intrusive. The background checks are mm-hmm. horrible. The paperwork is just, it's, it's crazy. And the process, you know, takes like a year to get hired anyways. Right. So, uh, I, 
I was in a process in a place uh, called Cobb County, uh, north of Atlanta. Okay. Uh, ended up getting hired by those guys. And at the same time, I just kind of stumbled into the Charlotte Police Department. Uh, I'd say I stumbled into it because Charlotte was a halfway point from Savannah to where I lived in Virginia. And I had stopped over on many trips, many weekends um, when I was going back home, mm -hmm. time away from the base. And it just so happened that my future brother-in-laws lived in Charlotte. Okay. One lived actually in Rock or in South Charlotte. One lived in Huntersville. So it was convenient, right? So my squad leader at the time, who was, uh, his last name was Foley. He says, hey, I know you're applying for PDs. Why don't you come up with me for Charlotte's testing? And so it was like a two-day process, um, just kind of open for anybody who wanted to come. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just a, a, a written test at the time. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, why not? What the hell? Went up there, um, learned a little bit about the department, took the test, and it turned out you know, it wasn't just a written test. It was, <laughs> it was like an all-day thing. Uh, it was going to be a, hey, we're going to – uh, me and my buddy Josh Walker, we were we were gonna uh, stop in for the for a couple hours, basically uh -huh. for the day, take the test, and then go on to Virginia and go see my girlfriend at the time, and uh, and and he was gonna go see a girl up there at the time. So it, it turned out to be an all day thing, and he's sitting at the hotel, you know, has no clue what's going on. Yeah. And it's been all day. But uh, anyways, isn't that funny though that um, you know? Because I look back and with the fire department, it was kind of the same process. Right. It was it was huge. It was a long process, and for you guys to show up there, you don't know. Right. It's not like you can look. Oh, I'm going to Google Charlotte for, yeah, you know, police yeah, department. Back then, gosh, no. You you kind of show up. You get the piece of paper, and they tell you what you're going to do for the day. That's or right. Two, you know, in your right. case, right? But uh, okay. Oh, it was, it was it was crazy. So. Uh, end up finishing off and uh, finishing off the day, getting up, getting back up with Josh. And he, he, you know, we're, we're way past checkout time. Uh -huh. So he's been checked out of the hotel, just kind of hanging out in the parking lot. And, and at the time, we didn't know much about Charlotte. Yeah. You know, fast forward 20 years in the area we stayed at, it's not the best area. Yeah. So you kind of look back and go, mm -hmm. Josh, I don't know how the hell you didn't get carjacked at the time. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyways, so we fast forward. Uh, end up getting a job. They, okay. they they gave me the offer about the same time Cop County gave me the offer, and you know again weighing the options of possibilities and uh, opportunities. Mm -hmm. Both departments are very good departments. I, I uh, pay was very comparable. Uh, probably would have made more in Cop County, mm -hmm. but the uh, for me the deciding factor. Yeah. Uh, when I went for my interview in Cop County, I, I was in traffic fifteen lanes. Of 7.30 in the morning traffic to go one mile. Oh, boy. There was no wrecks. It was just traffic for as far as you could see. So anyway, so I get there, to, you know, it did my final interview and everything. And at the end, it boiled down to fuck traffic. Yeah. That's what it boiled down yeah. to. I was just like, no. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that every day. I mean, traffic here in Charlotte's bad enough, but you're, we're talking 1999, right? Yeah. So... uh Decided to go with Charlotte. I was still in processes with multiple other departments, and I was just, I was burning out the time. I was like, I've done. I've made my decision. This yeah, is, this, this is, is it. it. Yeah, this is it. So uh, uh, that was 21 years ago. Yeah. And I'm still here. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, what a change. So I've only been here for 10 years. Right. And to see the change that Charlotte has gone through in 10 years. Mm -hmm. 
you know, from 20 years. I just spoke to somebody yesterday and they've been here for 20 years and it's day and night it, and it, day and night. It is. the uh, So where North Lake Mall is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, go back in time, it was nothing but farmlands. And then you fast forward and it wasn't just a couple Christmas Eves ago that, you know, we had a shooting inside the mall. Yeah. So we're treating it as an active shooter. We're clearing the damn mall as eerie as it is, we're walking around the mall looking for victims and in, in, in a suspect. And you kind of think you're like, it, it wasn't just a few years ago that this was all pasture land. Yeah. It's just farmland and cows were out here. Yeah. So it's just, it's surreal sometimes how fast growth happens. Right. Right. So, so you know, within the police department, have you, where have you gone in there? I know you've had quite a few different roles. Yeah. And I've, I've been, uh, so go, let's go back just a, a hair to kind mm-hmm. of, to set the stage. Um, when, when I was in the academy, I met a guy named Shane Page, right? Mm-hmm. And he's very, uh, he had a law degree. He, he spent, he was a police officer in Charleston, um, highly educated and chose to be a police officer, uh, versus making a lot of money being a, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And one, one piece of advice he gave me was don't pigeonhole yourself into just being that one thing, that one guy that can only do that one thing. Um, and we see, see people have careers where they go to patrol and it's nothing wrong with it. You know, they go to patrol for a couple of years and then they become a detective in a specific um, avenue, whether it's uh, robbery detective or, 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 you know, house break in detective mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And then they stay in that role for 20 some years. Okay. They might be happy. That's, that's cool. Yeah. That's just what my personality. So I took that advice from Shane pretty you know, early on because he was in the academy with me and a friend of mine. I took that advice to heart and I've always remembered it. And uh, so when I got out, I tried to diverse myself or diversify myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to just be the guy that did DWIs or the guy that did wrecks or the guy that, you know, looked for drug dealers yeah. and all that. I, I tried to do a lot of it okay. and, and mold myself around that. So early on in my career, I went to a lot of it. I, I put, myself, uh, put myself through a lot of education work-wise. Mm-hmm. I went and sought out um, different courses to take in different um, aspects of policing. A lot of it in dope, a lot of it in traffic related, a lot of it in um, fatality related stuff, um, DWI related, mm-hmm. anything that was along those lines. Um, I, I reached out for um, courses and in investigations. Yep. So kind of to, to round myself off as an officer. So when I started out, uh, my career went to patrol for a few years um, learned that aspect, and then I got into uh, traffic enforcement. Mm-hmm. I did that for a couple of years in the district level. I uh, I got picked up by and it, and we did uh, criminal interdiction as well. So I got picked up by a SDI unit, which is street drug interdiction. Okay. So we did that, focused uh, high, highly on drugs, guns, and traffic within high high traffic corridors, right? No, so, is this like undercover no, type this, stuff or this was this just street level? Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, not plain clothes, just um, patrol oriented, mm-hmm. but street level drug interdiction. So I did that for a few years. Uh, then I got picked up with uh, HITS, which is Highway Interdiction Traffic Safety Unit. Okay. So started working fatalities, DWIs, um, that aspect of, of traffic, right? Mm-hmm. I did that for a few years. And at the same time, I got picked up with SWAT team. So okay. I got picked up in 03 with SWAT. I uh, spent about 14 years with them. 
Okay. Um, I was a sniper with them for 10 of those years. Um, so I did a, a lot of different stuff in, in those roles. So when you get into the, the SWAT, do you do, is that your job? You're on the SWAT team or do you, are you a patrol officer or an officer here? And then when they need you in that capacity, then you go as a SWAT team? Yes, the latter. So uh, it's a secondary role where... Okay. You don't get anything extra for it. You just—it's just an extra, uh, an extra duty. You get a lot of extra training and mm -hmm. stuff. But you do your regular job, and as you're on call twenty-four-seven, which, you know, while you're doing it, you don't understand how much of a pain in the ass it yeah. is, and how much it affects your family until you're not doing it anymore, right? Right. Yeah. right. And then you step away, and you kind of look from the outside in. You're like, hmm. that's why my wife was mad at me so yeah. much. You know, <laughs> you're gone so much, right? But um. Yeah, so that, those roles, um, they call you're called as needed. Okay, all right. Um, I mean, that's a lot. And, and, you know, getting back to what you just said about your family and stuff yeah. and the different roles within that, you know, it it takes a lot for somebody to understand what you're doing. And, right. and thankfully, you know, your wife was, um, was also an officer. So she kind of understood. Right. But yet it's still time away. Right. Right. Um, so from SWAT, you went into canine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, after 14 years on SWAT team, uh, and I'd always wanted to run a dog, but at the time you can't wear too many hats in the police department. Right. And you can't mm -hmm. do so certain things simultaneously. So it's just too much to, to work a dog and to be on a SWAT team and to be a sniper and so mm -hmm. forth. So you got, you, something's got to give, right? Right. So when the opportunity came up, um, and I had put in in 09 and didn't get selected for K9, continued to serve on the SWAT team. But uh, in, I'm trying to think what year now, almost four years ago, um, an opportunity came up with K9. Mm -hmm. There was an opening, and it is rarely, it's rare that they have an opening. And when they do, it's usually like one slot, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's a large department, so a ton of people will put in. So, the, you know, the odds are, are slim. Right. But uh, I, I, I knew I had, I, I knew what type of officer I was, had good background, and what I can bring to the team. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, humbly, I put in with the caveat of, if I get it, I'll, I'll come off SWAT team. I, yep. I understand I'd have to, no big deal. Um, next guy up, right? Open that slot up for, for someone younger than me to have that opportunity. And I'll go over here and take this other opportunity with the dog. Uh, so it worked out, got selected. And uh, that's, that's that's where I got Walker. So that's, yeah. that's my dog's name. Um, so when I was talking about Josh Walker earlier, yeah. Um, where you know he served first Ranger battalion with me and he's, he's still in now. Um, he's done some amazing things. So... Uh, I named my dog after him. Okay. Right. So originally when we were having kids, I ended up having two girls and each time we were going to the ultrasounds to find out the sex. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm a sensitive guy, right? Yeah. So I knew I'd just cry. I wouldn't be able to tell the ultrasound lady, Hey, put this name on the, on the picture for me. And, uh, so if it was going to be a boy, his name was going to be Walker. And I had, had his little name wrote down in my pocket. Uh -huh. Each time I'd pull it out and be like, go to hand it to the, ultrasound tech and she go it's a girl and i take uh, look at my hand and put it right back in my pocket yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so that's where his name came from so yeah uh that's that's you know i like to honor that guy he uh he, he's he's been instrumental in my life he's right. him and his family both um 
love to death. And he's, uh, he's just, he's, he's a good dude. He's done some really good stuff for, for, uh, for the country that no one knows about. And, yeah. Um, now you, would you, is he like a mentor or is he just like, that's my guy. That's my guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He, uh, when, 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 when he came in after me, uh, to battalion mm-hmm. and so I was for, for a brief period out ranked him until I got out. Now he's, he's a, uh, major with the, uh, he's a green beret major now, but, uh, I, I'd say I, it, it's hard. It's, it's, it's strange. Cause we, so we wear different hats, right? At the time mm-hmm. I was mentoring him a little bit. Um, he's always been my brother, love him to death. And as roles change as you get a little older and I absolutely, I look up to him and, and, yeah. and he mentors me as well. So yeah. it's just facts of life. Do you ever regret not staying in the military and, and taking that route all the way through? Man, it's, uh, it's so, it's so hard. That question is so hard, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't have many regrets in life at all. Yeah. I, and I try to, uh, live life that way. I, I, I wouldn't say I regret that. I regret that, um, the guys I left went off to combat without me. Right. right. I, I regret that, uh, some of those guys didn't make it home. Mm-hmm. I regret that, um, not that I took a different path, but um, we all have paths laid out in front of us, right? right. You all have choices to make, and I'm big at uh, playing the cards that I have at the time, and not mm-hmm. and not looking back, going, "Damn, I wish I would have played these." Yeah. cards. but uh, I think I made a good choice at the time, and and I've had a great career, and I got a great family now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very lucky. Uh, I try to get up every day and work hard, and just try to enjoy life. Just do bit. your thing. Yeah, do my thing. That's good. So, you know, so you had the military. Mm-hmm. When you were growing up, did you always know that that was kind of the path you were going to take? Like, so, you know. so growing up, my dad had a wood shop, right? Mm-hmm. It was in the basement of the house. And back then the Gulf War was going on and I was 15 years old and CNN was on 24 seven at my house, mm-hmm. right? I'm watching Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf. Yeah. Um, you know, talk about all these bombs and smart bombs and so forth and so forth. So I remember specifically when I was 15 years old, I was watching the TV and I was staying in some wood for my dad. And I looked up and there's these helicopters and ropes are being thrown out of the helicopters. And all of a sudden these soldiers start fast roping down the ropes Mm -hmm. in the middle of the desert. And the title was us army Rangers show force, um, show of force, us army Rangers, blah, blah, blah. And I remembered that. I was like, damn, who are those guys? I've never yeah. heard of, you know, Army Rangers. So that was the seed that was planted in my head. Uh-huh. And it festered and festered and grew and grew. And when I got out of high school, I started working with Otis Elevator. And I was, I was yeah. it's, it, oddly enough, like, you know, most people join military out of high school right. or, or college. I went to work for a couple of years, worked for Otis Elevator. And pivotal point in my life, right? Because I met a guy named Stuart McHenry. I'm going to come back to that guy. Okay. okay. All right. So uh, worked for a couple of years and I decided this is not my dream. Right. Yeah. And I remember that day when I was 15 and I literally went to the recruiters and said, let's do it. Okay. I was 20 years old, quit my job. Um, I literally lived off a credit card for the next six months. And all I did was work out. Oh, that was it. Okay. I, when I, when I left Virginia to go into the military, I sold every damn thing I had except my truck. Uh-huh. I parked my truck at my recruiter's house, put WD for, or not WD for, <laughs> uh, 
It was on tires. I can't think of what it's called right now. Like the... To preserve tires. Oh, okay. It, I don't know what it is. I can't think of what it's called. Anyways, park my park my uh, truck at recruiter's house, and like I put everything in a rearview mirror. I had, mm-hmm. no, I had nothing. You just went. I went. I was making $12,000 a year living in the barracks after I paid my credit card debt. Yeah. In my truck payment, I had $70 a week to live off of. If the military didn't feed me, I would have starved to death. <laughs> But it was the time of my yeah. life. Let me tell you, I had a great time. Saw the world, went all over the place. I've been to Africa three times. Never thought I'd ever go to that place. Yeah. Don't ever care to go back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's amazing the stories. And, and there's a common thread in a lot of people that I talk to. And they're like, it was just that. Like, we put it, like, this was what we we're doing. Yeah. There was no turning back. This is what we're going to do. And, and, how I get there, I'm going to figure it out. And, and away we go. And then it was kind of like the police department. You got out of the military yeah. and it was like, well, I want to be a police officer and where am I going to go? And I'm going to figure it out. Yep. And, and that's what you just do. Yep. Um, Sometimes you risk everything to achieve anything. Right. Right. And, you know, and it's hard to get that person, some people just to, to start that risk right. and to take that first step. And we all go through it. We all battle it. Right. Um, I'm sure that, you know, there's second thoughts in your head of what you're going to do and how you're going to do this. Um, but then once you take that step yeah. and the next one, it gets a little bit easier and easier as you go. But th- no, that's exciting. It, it does. It is. Um, now with Charlotte, so you got 21 years. Are you guys eligible to retire at 25 Years of service, or how does yours work? Okay, yours is a little bit different. So, and this is where this is. I got to throw this caveat in there. I don't have. We talk about regrets, right? I don't have Mm -hmm. any. I've had a great career. I love what I do. I love the guys who I do it with. But I'm tired. Yeah, there's only so much stuff you can see. Yeah, there's almost so much plight to the world you can see, right? I see the gore. I see everybody's bad day. Yep. Every day I go to work. Every day. I see, I see someone that's been victimized. I see people that are doing the victimization. There's, there's like, I don't ever go to work for a happy day. Yeah. Right. So years and years of that, it, it gets, it gets enough. Right. So honestly, 20 years would be, it, it is really the mental health level that you really should as a police yeah. officer. However, North Carolina has 30. Oh, okay. Caveat is I was able to buy my military time back. Yep. So it gives me four to go. Okay. So I've got to do a total of 25 years, basically. Okay. Um, give, give or take, you know, I have four years to go. Yeah. And that's kind of like, it's so are you still in K-9 right now? Yes. All right. Yep. Do you plan on retiring I, out of K-9 the, or? I, I, yes, that is my plan. My plan okay. is to retire out of K-9. I have no desire to go do anything else in the department. I've done every, I've had my fill. I've done everything. Every goal I've had, every job I've wanted to do in the department, I've been able to do. Okay. Um, I, I love my dog and I love working him. And it's very, it is a very unique position. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's magical in the fact that when hope is lost and the guy is off, whether it's a good guy you're looking for or a bad guy you're looking mm-hmm. for, and nothing else can find them, and they call you and you take your dog and you use his nose to go find that perpetrator or that victim. Yep. There's nothing else. There's no other no. feeling like it. Uh, well, speaking of your dog, mm-hmm. how's he doing? He's good. 
he uh He's, he had a little he oji yeah yeah you know uh that had to be pretty scary it was it was horrifying it's, it's um i equate it to like watching your kid get hurt right yeah so basically we were looking for a um we were looking for a suspect it was uh it was a uh, breaking and entering in progress, right? Mm -hmm. We had we had jumped them, uh, pulled up on scene while they were still there, and got a couple in custody. Um, Walker located another one that was hiding, and then there were still more outstanding. So when we it was at a car dealership, mm -hmm. and when we went into the back lot where the other guys had went. Uh, he picked up on their track pretty quickly and there's cars lining the fence and the fence is all overgrown and it's nighttime. Um, so you, you, the, there's no ambient light mm -hmm. really. It's, it's dark, but long story short, as he's marking a fence where one of them went over, he's traversing the fence, um, left to right, basically saying, okay, the guy went over and then he ran the fence, right? So he's going with the odor and he sticks his nose into the fence, um, and what I didn't know at the time because of the overgrowth in the, in the lighting conditions and everything is the owner of the car dealership had put razor wire at the bottom of the fence. Oh. So with the overgrowth and everything, couldn't see it, couldn't see his injury until we got back out into light. But long story short, razor wire has um, basically finger long razors. That razors. Come off it. Yeah. yeah. They, they look like little swords. Yeah. Right. And it, it ate his face up, but one of them went up his nose and then cut out. And oh, okay. I, I didn't even realize you had arteries in your nose. Yeah. The dogs did. So that was a good learning point for me. But uh, he severed an artery in his nose. So it's just lucky enough that I was close enough to my car. I identified that it was arterial blood, mm -hmm. knowing that it's his, you know, it's his nose. So it was like, you can't pack, you can't pack a wound to stop the bleeding in a nose. You can't, yeah. you can't tourniquet the head, right? It's like, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a chest. It, yeah, the chest I can deal with, right? Yeah, the the arms, your legs, you can deal with. You can you can stop the bleed, but when it's when it's the head, is not much you can do, right? Oh, yep. So he's on a clock, right? Long story short, he's on the clock. Get him to mm -hmm. get him to the vet, and the vet within ten seconds of having him on the table, open his nose up, and they're like, "There it is," and they chemically cauterize it, oh, shut it off God. like like a switch, done, right? So then at that point, he's in hypovolemic shock because of blood loss. Yeah, and uh, they transfuse his blood and. He's good to go. Good. So we he's he was out for about three or four weeks, and um, he's back to work. He caught a guy a couple nights ago. So nice. So he's back at it. Yeah, back at it. Man. So he's doing that, good. Yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah. scary. I just uh, you know I got four to go, and I'm I'm hoping he he. Uh, yeah. How long does he usually? Will a dog usually um, stay with you? It, it, he'll stay with me the whole time. Okay. Um, unless it, it, especially at this point, like if something happens to me. Uh, if I get killed or whatever, he'll go to Johnny. You know, uh, the department will give give him to okay. Johnny. But um, no, I'm talking about working as as a working right. dog. How many years does a dog usually work for? So it's there's no magic number. Okay, and every dog's a little different. He's a bigger guy, right? Mm -hmm. he, he's a male. He's 95 pounds, which is unusual for a male. Males are usually 55 to 65 pounds. Okay, so he's he's a big guy. Um, so usually bigger dogs have a shorter work life. Mm -hmm. um, and dogs in general have a shorter life because of a working dog, because they're always in that stressful environment, right? Yeah. Their stress is always up. But, um, he, theoretically speaking, I've got four to go. He's six. He, sh he could make it to, to, to the end with me and okay. we could retire together. Oh, good. Um, if he starts to slow down or has any, you know, 
age issues or anything like that. Like I, I get it. He might retire a mm-hmm. year or two before me. Yeah. You know? And then I, I spin up another dog and give it to the next guy. Okay. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Now, when dogs usually retire, do they go with with their trainer, with their handler? Yeah, t- typically. Typically? Yeah, typically they will. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have to do something with the department, you know, to they'll, get the dog in? They're yeah, I mean, they'll do about pa- it. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good about it. They'll do paperwork and all that. But, you know, he, um, unless I do something that's, you know, it, he... There's no other, there's no reason why he shouldn't go retire. Yeah, re- okay. retire out with me. All right. All right. So we're going to take a big gear switch here. Mm-hmm. Now, writing. writing. Now you you're a writer and your your first book um was The Missing. Now, um what got you into that? I mean, because I right. I had no idea, you know, right. and then it was like, boom, um releasing a book. Yeah, and, and then and, you've you've released quite a few since then. Well, it's uh so to go back and tell the story. So go back a few years, and um, I've watched a couple of friends of mine from the police department uh, throw you know publish a couple of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, first guy I saw was Mike Hervey. Um, he had the Soundkeeper, okay. so he he published that. Um, he really enjoyed writing it and I, I kind of watched from a distance, uh, you know, got the book, read the book, enjoyed it. Uh, and then another guy, so he was on the SWAT team with me. Then another guy on the SWAT team, uh, who was there for a short time while I was there, but he's been retired for a while now. Now, um, Mike Murphy. So he has been writing some sci-fi and I'm like, okay, this, this guy's writing. That's cool. You know, reading some of his stuff's real good. And, mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine, Emily um, Akerestes, she says, hey, and I've, I've read books all my life, right? Yep. And I really like horror, right? I love Stephen King, Dean Koontz, et cetera. Ray, ba- Ray Bradbury, et cetera. So Emily says, hey, there's a guy over in Westover, Westover Division for the police department. His name is Dan Molay. Mm-hmm. And he, he started writing some books, and it's an apocalyptic series and it's called the remaining. Okay. So at the time he had two books out and the premise of the remaining is he has a captain is a green beret. His name is Lee Harden and mm-hmm. his sole purpose for the army and the department of defense is if something happens, he is to go down in his bunker, stay there for a specific amount of time. And then he will get instructions to come out. Mm-hmm. And reestablish the United States. So if all the missiles go, if the world's ending, mm-hmm. he is the last hope to reestablish, right? So and within the series, there's one of these guys in every state. Okay. Right? So their job is to come up and reestablish the, the U.S. Well, when he comes up, it's basically the zombie apocalypse, right? Yeah. So there's this virus that's spread and it's killed so many people. And people are infected. Now he's fighting. Now he's fighting. But uh, so I, I got into that series and I read that first book and I read the second book and I'm like, damn, this is good. Yeah. And it was just, it was the switch, right? Okay. So I read his work and I was so enamored by it. I was like, I've been writing all my life and I, or I've been reading all my life and I've always wanted to write, but never did. I was like, this was like 2016, I think when I found his series, I was like, 
So kind of it planted the seed, just mm-hmm. like just like the Gulf War planted the seed. Yeah, to to be a ranger, right? So over the next couple of years, I read his stuff and I started writing short stories on my own. I reached out to him. He kind of mentored me a little bit, kind of gave me some tips. Uh-huh. Uh, I started reading books on writing and different things like that. And in November of 2018, I said, fuck it, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a book. Yeah. So I sat down and I wrote a book. And the only th- only idea I had was I want to write, I want to create this world, this universe. More specifically, I want to create this town. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be evil. And I want this town to be my town that I spend stories out of. And I did. And I mm-hmm. sat down and a little bit at a time, a lot of, a lot of trial and error, a lot of learning, a lot of YouTube, a lot of teaching, a lot of reaching out to people. It's a whole new industry that right. I had no clue about, right? Um, but yeah, over time, I uh, I did it. Yeah. And that's the premise of The Missing is basically I tell you a, a hell of a story surrounding this, ta- this town of Mecklenburg, Colorado's fictional town that I've created. And it tells you why it's evil, how it got evil how it continues to be evil and it gives you a lot of characters which a lot of my kill yeah some of them i don't but it gives you this intro into my town that i'm going to spend stories out of yeah um so end up uh finishing that book um it's uh like it's 268 pages which i it blew my mind that I, I wrote that many pages yeah. to begin with, right? Yeah. And um, so I, I wrote that one. Um, I'm almost done with the sequel to that one. I've okay. got another book out called The Message, which is it's a standalone novella of short stories. It's four short stories that um, take place within that town, mm-hmm. but also use some of the characters. But it's not in uh, sequence with the series. It's, okay. it's just, it's a standalone uh, novella that's just... yeah interacting in that tale no i thought it was great i mean like i told you i think four days i read it it just kept me bring it kept bringing me back and and what's going to happen and what are they going to do and how are they going to get through this and right. i i really enjoyed it. it the funny thing is so you're everything you read and everything you're taught everything everything that other writers and authors tell you is write what you know right mm-hmm. so stephen king writes a lot about being a writer like a lot of his stories focus around editors and writers and, and, mm-hmm. and different things like that. And then he spins craziness around it. And I, I did that. Right. Yeah. So I, I wrote about what I know, my experiences. Um, I base characters off people I know to, to give them depth and to give, to have people fall in love with them. And then I take them away from them, Yeah, you know, pull at their heartstrings. There's a dog in there named Bran. He's based off of my working dog, right? That's my guy. Yeah. So, I try to uh, pull my readers in and tell them a story. And one thing I, I take pride in is if I can tell you, a, you know, if I can tell you that I shot this guy within ten pages versus twenty-five pages, I'm gonna do it ten, right? Yeah. I'm gonna do enough description that you paint the picture with your own mind's eye, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna just overflow your brain with too much stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, uh, that's how I got started and that's, uh, 
It's funny. I was reading it because I know you and I kind of know your right. background and I know your family right. and I'm reading the characters and I can see stuff and I, I can see how different stories relate to this and your background. And uh, there were so many times where I was like, who's, who's this character based off of? Right. And who's right. this yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, it was, it was really good. I really liked it. Um, it so that's a big, that's a big step of putting something out there for, other people's approval, right. really. Oh, was, um, was, a book was yeah, it scary it was, when you. It was, it was terrifying, and honestly, I was like, when I sat down to write it, I said, "Okay, look, this, you know, me talking to me." I was like, "I'm going to write a book the way I, the way I like to read. Like, mm-hmm. I'm specific on type of books I like. I love horror. I love suspense. I love apocalyptic. But I like page turning, page burning, action packed. You know, I like the story to continue, and I don't want to." get stagnant in the story. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to write it where you're going to want to turn every page and it's not going to get stagnant. Yeah. And I wasn't sure like anybody would like my style. So that was, that was, it really was terrifying. It was like, I might sell two books. Right. Right. And it might be to my, 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 my <laughs> wife. I don't, I don't know, but yeah. uh yeah, I put it out and. Is it doing well? It, you know, when I, when I put it out, it, the missing um, was number one in new uh, in multiple categories on Amazon as a new release, uh, but the b- most important or the mo- one that I'm most proud of is it was number one new release in American Horror mm-hmm. for 30 days, right? Okay. And they give you 30 days as a new release, so every day it was available to be a new release. It was number one, okay, um, and it was as high as number two overall in all of America ho- American mm-hmm. Horror, right? Wow. So I'm, I'm I was up on the bestsellers list with like. Stephen King. Yeah, my 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 book is sitting next to Dean Koontz Watcher on on the shelf, basically, yeah. right? The Amazon shelf. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It uh it was surreal. So it 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 exceeded all expectations. Yeah. And it did it it was um a good proof of concept, right? Because yeah. I was like, hey, I think I can do this. Yeah. And you know, for it, it you know, and again, I'm I'm balancing family, I'm balancing kids, I'm balancing, you know. Uh, fitness. I'm balancing work, and I'm yep. doing all this in my spare time. Yeah, and it's just get up and hustle, right? Right. So it took me a while to get that first book out, but it was really proof of concept. And my wife was like, "Love her to death." God, I love her. She was very supportive, and she was. Um, she's so funny because she's. She's like. <laughs> Hey, is that book for forever? Are you done with that book yet? Are you done with that book yet? God, are you done with that book? You know, she see me writing and go, you're not done yet. It's like, it doesn't write itself. You yeah. know, it's, it's not a, it's a long process, yes. right? But um, I remember her coming in the bedroom one day and she's like, are you done with that damn book yet? And I went, the end. Yes. I just fucking finished. Yeah. Right. So she's like, oh, so she expected me to like publish it the next day. I'm like, no. Process. Yeah. There's a process, right? editing you know that was first draft i've got it it's so funny because it is a process like i end up reading my book like seven times before uh-huh. it's even published and it's just it's crazy because every time you read it you're like oh maybe i should tweak it here or there you know it's just because it's your uh, stuff yeah. right but uh it's it's a long process i have beta readers that i send it out to they give me their feedback i've got other authors that read my stuff that give me their feedback and help yep. me out i have great editors you know etc so it's it's a process but once the process is done and it's all buttoned up and ready to go, it's ready to go, right? Yeah. So uh, I've got two of them out there right now. And my third one, which would be the second one in the series, is um, 
is nearly done. Okay. So and which one's that? Um, so it's book two in the Mecklenburg series okay. and it's called after death. All right. Um, it will continue the missing. Okay. Um, so in, on, in chapter one of the missing, Joe Hodges kills himself mm-hmm. and Joe Hodges is a pivotal point in the after, in after death. Okay. So he, you will, you will find his story out intimately in okay. that book. Okay. And, uh, It'll come full circle. It's, uh, it's darker. Um, no character's safe. I can tell you that right yeah. now. Um, I make them suffer. Ugh. Yeah. What's the uh, so? Where's the best place for people to find your books? Amazon. Amazon. So it's it, what people don't. What, what you may or may not know. I don't know. But uh, most people don't know is, is Amazon has ninety percent of the market. Mm-hmm. That is huge. 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 Yeah. They are a juggernaut. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's exclusive to Amazon. Good. It, you know, when I do that, it, it helps me out. It helps them out. And yep. if they've got 90% of the market, then yeah. That's the way to go. I'm all in. Amazon. Yeah. That's what I call it. Amazon. Yeah. So, all right. So you're coming up and these are, these are things of, you know, when I talk to people, their stories and their stories mm-hmm. of success. So you, you had a good military career. You've got a good police career. You're a writer now, but you also do fitness. Yeah. And what, are you training for anything right now? I, uh, I just, it was funny. Or did just, you finish something? Yeah, I, I, I am training for, for, I just finished a, a race um, a few days ago where, Six of us uh, guys. I was Rangers. Other Rangers that I know. Mm-hmm. We uh, we did a relay race of two hundred miles as a running race from Santee, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, and uh, that beat my ass. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. It was how many was, miles did you do? Thirty three. Okay, so um, ended up doing thirty three, and it was it was a good time. It was it was a good time with the guys. Um, you know, a race hasn't gone off in forever with COVID. Yeah. So, uh, like they, they've, they started having some trail races go off a few months ago, but no road races, no Ironmans, no nothing. Nothing's okay. really gone off in 18 months. So this is, this is my first race in damn, probably. Yeah. Uh, my first road race is probably two years because the last three or four marathons that, uh, me and my buddies have been signed up for, they've either been pushed or canceled and, um, we were supposed to do a marathon in February. It got pushed to April because of COVID. So hopefully that that's down in Wilmington. Hopefully that still happens. But um, hmm. yeah, it's you know everybody juggles stuff in life. But you know, try to especially for my job, I've got to stay fit. Right. I, I try to use the endurance aspect of that. So what do you what are your thoughts on work life balance? Is it true or is it a bunch of? It's it's important. It's it's hard, um, but. You know, just like any type of habit, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have to focus on it. You have to, and I'm lucky enough where it helps that I, I work nights, right? Mm-hmm. So it cuts into my sleep, but I get to spend more time with the family. Yep. And um, since Johnny's working from home because of COVID, I get to see her uh, every day, mm-hmm. um, whether she's in a good mood or not. But um yeah, it's, it's important. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, and we we've had a kind of unwritten rule at the at the house between me and her. And we've always supported each other basically with anything, but with like fitness, we each get an hour a day, right? Yep. And it's not like, hey, I'm taking my hour. It's just it's kind of an unwritten rule. She goes and works out every day, has one day off, maybe a week for mm-hmm. rest. So do I. You know, I get up in the morning and I try to I I, I go for runs. Um, I I try to multitask, so I'll 
listen to it's funny because my so my books are on audiobook i'll listen to them for like refresh as i'm writing you know the, mm-hmm. the second book in the series uh, i listen to all types of podcasts i listen to other books while i run um but and then when i get home at night i'm i'm reading on you know how to improve my writing skills right. you know um it's just a, a big circle but one thing i was going to circle back to speaking of circles so when uh when i when we're talking about uh, otis elevator right yeah that, that two-year period between uh getting out of high school going to going to the military that was a pivotal point in my life because of a guy named Stuart McHenry, right? Okay. So I met Stu at the Hotel Roanoke. So the Hotel Roanoke is a historical hotel that was shut down for years. And uh, got hired on by Otis Elevator to go be a uh, mechanic's assistant to help him work on the elevators at this hotel to restore it. Uh-huh. That's where I met him. Now, in my book, The Missing, you'll I used the Mecklenburg Hotel yes. a lot. If yep. You recall... That is the Hotel Roanoke. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. So in Stu, um, there's a there's a story in The Message called The Drunk, right? Mm-hmm. It's about regret and second chances. And the interaction between the two characters, the main characters, Derek and James, right? That's me and Stu. That's our life at the Hotel Roanoke back when I was 18 years old. Okay. So Stu's my buddy. And yeah. He he's my brother. I've known him longer than anybody else in this world. He's 60 years old now, right? Yeah. And it's like, how do I repay this guy for basically him helping turning me into a man, right? Yeah. Him supporting me those couple of years and pushing me to go do and get the fuck out of there and go to the military, right? Yeah. How do I how do I how to repay his just decades of friendship? Yeah. And then I put him in all my books and I kill him. That's it. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, "Ah, oh, he probably doesn't kill him off, but you do." Yep. Yeah. Thank he, you. Uh, he'll he'll come into my books as is uh, different character names, and he's uh he's my guy, and yep. I I honor him by uh, killing him off. Killing him off. That's what I do <laughs> in all my stories. <laughs> so so yeah. all right. So what um what's what's next? What's in your future? Anything like? Oh, you know what? I, I ask people this, and I. I love the answers. So if you could, you could take back, you could go back into your twenties and right. you could, now that you've lived and you could do anything in the world, it, crazy, whatever, anything, right. what would you do? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, in my twenties, I was all over the place, all over third world countries. So that part I wouldn't change at all. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the, so the two things I would do is I would spend more time with my dad and my first wife because they both are, they both passed. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Anna was my first wife. Um, when, when I moved to Charlotte, she, she died of cancer in Oh nine. Mm-hmm. Oh nine. Um, so th- that would be it. Like spend more time with her. More time. Is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's important. Yeah. Um, it, those are things that you look back because life is going mm-hmm. and going and going and going, and you don't think that it's going to end, right? You're right. just going to wake up the next morning, and everything's going to be cool. But that's a good way to look at it, right. and and for people to realize. Um, anything on the horizon for you, man? I'm I'm just uh, you know grinding away one day at a time. Just uh, I I you know long term goals, uh, retirement in four years. Yep. Um, I have. 
I always think two or three books ahead right now. Mm-hmm. So I like to, at the end of my book, I like to advertise for future books with covers, okay. book covers. But um, I've got a couple different series that I'm looking at. I've got um, most of my writing projects planned out to end of 2022. Mm-hmm. So um, I, lo- I look forward to those. It's yeah. uh, It's been good. I got a, um, a collaboration that I'm going to put out this Halloween with a couple of writers, uh, Ranger writers that I know and, uh, should be good. Good. So, good. Yeah. Do you have, what do you, any plans at retirement? Or are you just going to like chill and let it play out? I, I'm hoping to sit, sit in my chair and just spin crazy novels out and, uh, have that as like ancillary money coming in. You. Um, so that's, that's what I want to do work wise. Yeah. Where I just do whatever I want. Uh, the, Goal, long-term goals. My wife wants to move to Florida. She wants to be near a beach somewhere. Okay. And uh, she's from Detroit. She hates the cold. Yeah. Right. So she wants to be near, she likes the sand and she likes the extreme heat. Um, So we'll we'll look at that. Yeah. Well, good. Hey, it was great chatting with you today, man. We'll get you back on after your next book. Absolutely. And uh, we'll do this again. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. See you, buddy. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Beyond Grit with your host, me, Robert Young. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell somebody about it. You can find this podcast on all major podcast platforms. And be sure to tune in every Wednesday for another exciting success story of somebody going beyond grit. Until then, take care.